Welcome to Talk South Asian to Me. My name is Michelle. And my name is Anusha. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. Central and hear us react to each other's stories about mental health and growing up in different South Asian households. And remember, this podcast is not therapy. Engage with what feels entertaining and resonates with you and leave what doesn't. All righty, let's get into it. Today is N. (laughs) N. So, drumroll please. Would you like to reveal what N is today, Michelle? Yes. Our topic is narcissism. Yeah. It's a big one. Narcissism and navigating narcissism. All right. Mm -hmm. So today to get started with this topic, I thought like usual, we could kind of break down what exactly does that mean though? I feel Mm -hmm. like people pleasing, gaslighting, like narcissism, these are like really like just widely used terms these days to like label people and things Mm -hmm. and it's like Mm -hmm. are we even using them correctly so let's just break it down for a moment narcissism as defined by the oxford dictionary is an excessive interest in or admiration of oneself and one's physical appearance Mm. yeah so well i'm glad kind of what you started with that I'm glad that you started with a definition because, again, you said, like, it's a big buzzword and it's pretty abstract. Yeah. So I think it's really important to start. I mean, to be honest, when I was figuring out what story I want to share with you, I had to mm-hmm. fully d- understand the definition myself. So I looked it up as well. Yeah, exactly. So, so I mean, I feel like – I mean, what do you think? When you think of narcissism, <laughs> is that kind of the definition that comes to mind for you too? I think so. Like, just yeah. self-centered – you yeah. know, like it's a good word. Very, very arrogant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, like those kind of words pop into my head when I hear the word narcissism. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's how people do use it in day to day, and like makes sense. That's kind of what the definition is according to Oxford Dictionary. But Mayo Clinic okay. um, also defines narcissism as a personality qualities including thinking very highly of yourself, wanting Mm -hmm. and needing admiration, believing that others are inferior, and lacking empathy for others. Mm. So again, kind of along the same like themes of what you were saying, but just kind of expand, like to me, it felt like it was expanding on that concept a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Lack Um, of empathy is a big one, I feel like. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And like that feeling of you're superior and everybody else is inferior. I feel like that's a pretty common one too when I what I associate with narcissism. Yeah. Um so I kind of dug into I did I, I kind of went on a deep dive with the whole topic of narcissism and I like really got into it. And I really yeah. liked Psych Central actually. Psych Central had so Central. much. Yeah, it had okay. so much on the topic um of like narcissism in general, but also like adults of adult children of like narcissistic parents and like how do you identify when you're in a relationship and it's just like so many topics on that and I, I thought it was wow. really cool wow I don't think yeah. I've ever heard of psych central I'm gonna have to look that up yeah psych central to me <laughs> kind of is like you know the psychology today articles that we read sometimes mm-hmm. psych central has like a lot of good stuff just like that mm, okay I'm gonna have to check it out So let's talk about what I found out. So in the Psych Central article that started, you know, my rabbit hole, (laughs) 
<laughs> I found that Psych Central categorizes narcissism as existing on a spectrum, which, yeah, that makes sense to mm. me. I see a lot yeah. of things on the spectrum, too, of it's not this or this. It's kind of a, a range. I get it. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And it further talks about, like, what that means. So according to Psych Central, if you take accountability, you have insight, you're able to establish reciprocal relationships, and you have some traits of narcissism, you can mm-hmm. have traits, not a personality, you know, diagnosis. Mm, it's a difference. Right? So like, exactly. So that, that's the thing that they're talking about, this being a spectrum, is like you can have traits of narcissism, but mm-hmm. on the other end, end of the spectrum, you can have like an actual diagnosis of narcissistic personality mm. disorder. And most people fall somewhere in between, typically, right? Okay. You might have one or two traits that come out occasionally. You might have maybe a couple that come out occasionally. Most people fall on a spectrum. So I think that's really important to point out because, you know, like we said, it's kind of a buzzword of like, oh, they're just being so narcissistic. And like, what do they yeah. have? Like they have some kind of, you know, like trying to overdiagnose people. And like sometimes we just have some moments where maybe we're acting a little bit narcissistic, but that doesn't mean that we are narcissistic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's an important distinction. Yeah. I like that you pointed that out, that it's two different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So to kind of talk about the other side of that spectrum, narcissistic personality um, disorder, basically it's when you have narcissistic traits and behaviors that span over multiple areas of your life for extended mm. period of time. So like six months plus. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And just for fun, I thought I would just kind of break down like, okay, if you actually qualified for the diagnosis, what would you, what was the criteria you needed to meet? Yeah. Um, I'm interested to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. So they talk about needing to meet five of the nine symptoms that I'll list out in a moment and having okay. these symptoms for at least six months or more in order to qualify it for this diagnosis. Okay. Okay, so here it goes. The particular symptoms are grandiosity or, you know, like a sense of self-importance. Okay. Fantasizing about power and success. Mm. A sense of entitlement. Limited insight. A constant need for admiration and praise. The use of manipulation tactics to take advantage of others. Limited or poor empathy competitiveness, distrust, and jealousy. Mm. And the last one is scorn and arrogance towards others. Wow. Yeah. Makes sense, so right? Like when you think about it. You five of the nine that you listed yeah. for six mm-hmm. months or more. Yeah, exactly. Okay. If you meet five of these nine, sim- nine symptoms for at least six months or more, then you would qualify for this diagnosis. Otherwise, you fall somewhere on that spectrum of you might have characteristics, you might have traits. But either way, it's just a label at the end of the day. And it doesn't take away from yeah. your experience. You know, whether you have exactly. a diagnosis or not, whether you're dealing with a person who has diagnosis or not, it doesn't mean that it's still not, you know, a struggle or like that experience mm-hmm. isn't as bad or, you know, like whatever comparisons don't need to be made. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So as I was doing this research on like, particularly narcissism in the South Asian community, I ran across mm. this um, article, this podcast. So, you know, mm, Jay okay. Shetty's podcast, On Purpose? Yes. 
Yes. So he had a guest speaker, Dr. Romani, who's a psychologist in LA, and she's the author of um, Should I Stay or Should I Go? Surviving a Relationship with a Narcissist. And the guest star on this, she's kind of like almost like an expert on narcissism, um, Mm -hmm. particularly in like South Asian community. She's South Asian. So um, something that really stood out to me in the podcast of what she said was the word narcissist is overused nowadays. Too many people refer to those who do them wrong as a narcissist, which may or may not actually be true. Um, The article goes on to say that Dr. Romani told Jay Shetty that this personality type would never be prominent. We would love for them to be like the cartoon villain, mean, lying, deceitful. It would make it easier to avoid them if we saw through them from the beginning. And Mm -hmm. this is more of me paraphrasing, but like the rest of the article goes on to like basically say like an actual narcissist would be so good at being like two-faced, like to everybody else being like so charismatic and like so sweet and so loving that you yeah. never really see them as a narcissist, even if they were. Like they're so good with wow. the manipulation that you'd never know. Wow. And so she she basically is trying to point that out of like, you know, sometimes you just throw these words out, but maybe people are just in moments mm-hmm. embodying narcissistic traits. That doesn't mean they are yeah. a bad guy or the narcissist. So I thought it was kind of mm-hmm. cool to highlight that. That is interesting. Yeah. I never thought of it that way either. Like it's not as prominent or it's not as exhibiting to a person yeah. who might be in a relationship with that narcissistic yeah. person. Yeah. So. Especially I think in the beginning, but like once you're in a relationship, I think you'd see that more. Um, yeah. Like gaslighting sure. behaviors, things like that. Mm-hmm. And yes. for all the like parents who are on, you know, that, end of that spectrum of having a diagnosis or just have a lot of traits like even for them like you might see as a child one of their faces being narcissistic but to everybody else like they're not going to see that maybe they see the best of them right and Mm, so like I think that's the point she's trying to make is like you never know and like sometimes it's not as obvious sometimes it is yeah Um, that makes sense yeah, so I, I was kind of in my deep dive, I kind of looked into like, what are the different kinds of ways that, you know, if it's not obvious, like how how would you be able to tell? What would it look like? Mm-hmm. And so some of the mm-hmm. manipulation tactics that a narcissistic person might use is gaslighting, right? So it's not mm-hmm. necessarily lying, but lying so much that they kind of make you think you're going crazy, you know, calling yeah. you out, not just saying like, oh, no, there's no facts for that, but also saying like, you don't remember correctly. You're absolutely wrong. You're going crazy. Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> you know, like flipping it on themselves, playing the victim card. You know, that's one, too. Yes. This one actually surprised me, but it makes sense now. Love bombing. Are you familiar with oh, that term? Love bombing. Yeah. Like, I feel like I've heard that where you... You, like the person who is doing the love bombing is the one who's like falling very like quickly like oh I've known you forever I feel like I've known you yes. forever saying I love exactly. you right away like all those different things yeah like when when there's really like like it, you will feel it too like a little bit of like oh okay like what because <laughs> you might only know that person mm-hmm. really for a week but then you're getting yeah. like all of these like wow, like I really know you so well and I just, I love you so much. And it's like, what do you love? You know me about a week only, you know, like all the maybe like gifts or praises or like whatever, just like all at once, this attack of love. It's also like a manipulation tactic. 
to, because the way I see it, this is all kind of like around the idea of control, right? You control the people in your relationships through gaslighting, mm-hmm. through love bombing. Some of the other ones they mention is like ghosting can even be one. And I, I that caught me off guard for a second because I was like, ghosting, huh? But I think the That's context tactic, it was ghosting? saying, yeah, I know that I got, I was confused too, but then I thought about it. And I guess like, if you think about it, it can be a tactic, right? Like, okay, if you How? hurt my, like, if you, if I expect something from you, but you don't do that thing, then I can purposefully um, ghost you for a while like and I get treatment. you back on my hook. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like silent treatment. Yeah. Yeah. That's and then make you be like, like, okay, like I'm sorry. Treatment. Silent treatment is like, I hate it so much. Mm. Like, just say you need space, right? (laughs) (laughs) I know. Yeah. I I hate when it's used as like a tactic because it does make you feel so like shitty. Yeah. But being, you know, like I've done a couple therapy, so like I see the flip side of it. And like sometimes it just, it's because people are so like overwhelmed that they don't even know to say like, hey, I need space. All they can do is just shut down. But, you know, like it's still hurtful on the other side of it. Yeah. Well, it's Um, like the extreme end, right? Like when you're using silent treatment for a really long time. When you – To manipulate too on purpose. Yeah. To get your Mm -hmm. way. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, Other manipulation things, triangulation. So like involving another person. Oh, yes. Into this, Mm -hmm. you know, into the dynamic to like either try and defend or gang up on you. Right? So Mm – there is that, playing the victim, like I said. And this one was a little bit like, whoa, that's extreme. Revenge, apparently. Oh, revenge, revenge is considered a manipulation tactic that narcissists could use. Mm. That seems scary. But if we're talking about a spectrum, <laughs> I imagine that would be on the very yeah. one end of the spectrum. Very extreme end, yeah. 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 So to clarify, you know, again – you can have all of these like different traits that we're going to talk about in a minute about like what maybe like in South Asian culture, like what do people do that can be narcissistic? Yeah. Yeah. But I want to clarify again, that doesn't mean somebody has narcissistic personality diagnosis or they are narcissistic. It could just be that they're engaging in narcissistic behaviors from time to time. Because okay. I think once we start talking about it, I think you'll see like what I mean. Some of these things are just so commonly just like thrown out there. And like, yeah. I had to take a double take. I was like, oh, is that narcissistic? And I thought about it. I was like, oh, yeah, I guess it is. But at first yeah. glance, it just feels so normalized. And I think in the South Asian yeah. culture especially, it's just so embedded that you don't yes. even like sometimes realize that. Yeah. Um, particularly because I think that in our like South Asian and like just East Asian culture, we do have such an emphasis on um, – like respect your elders and like mm-hmm. be obedient, be loyal. Mm-hmm. It's very like if you remember parenting styles, right? It's very authoritarian. Mm, Fall yes. into line, do as I say. So I think that kind of parenting style and this like respect your elders, you know, that like really, really huge value tenant, it kind mm-hmm. of paves the way for narcissistic traits to just really thrive in parents. Yes. Right? And it can be reinforced too. Yeah. In those types yeah, of that one households. Is yeah, and that that's just so like crazy to think about. Like the system itself is set up in a way that it really caters to mm-hmm. narcissistic manipulation and um behaviors and 
I I had to sit with that for a second and be like, wow, that's crazy. But it's so true. It it starts all the way at the top. (laughs) And it's a cycle. Mm -hmm. Because it's so normalized, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, There's two other articles I want to share real fast. One of them is from Times of India. And it's titled, Do You Have Narcissistic Parents? Here's How to Know. That's a good that title. One, <laughs> it's amazing. I was like, wow, look at Times of India coming in, really like coming after parents. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Here's what Times of India had to say. Some of the things they came up with were one, that parents live through their children's lives. Okay. So basically like expectations for their kids, you know, like you can be one of these three careers. You can marry like Mm. one of these people that I choose for you you know just like making major life decisions for them um another thing they mentioned on the article was being jealous and possessive you know parents feeling Mm. like entitled to their kid's life feeling threatened by their child's growth their maturity or their individualizing you know if they have different opinions different expectations you know that really being something that shakes them up and like they don't like that Mm-hmm. Um, that also kind of makes me think of like that competitiveness, like yeah, trying to compete with your kid, and it's you know because it's about you, it's not about your kid. Right? There's not that separation. Yeah. Um, another example they came up with was over criticizing and putting the child down, making them feel like they're never good enough. Um, mm-hmm. basically that you know right there. That's the birth of people-pleasing tendencies, right? Never feeling good enough. So you try your best to keep pleasing, to keep avoiding conflict, to be the peacekeeper, all of that. Um, Another thing was having a superior self-image. So having like that superiority over others and treating others as objects for their personal gain, their Mm -hmm. priorities, their needs, their expectations being more important than their kids' needs, priorities, and expectations. Mm. Um. This one, definitely manipulation, right? We've already talked about that. Showing like very conditional love, yeah. um, gaslighting, threatening, using guilt, using shame to get your way, um, being inflexible, you know, very like my way or the highway. Yeah. Um, and then the last one was just like lacking empathy, love, and compassion for your child. Not yeah. feeling understood, That's I guess, harsh. is how I read it. Yeah. 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 And, you know, exactly what you said, right? These seem a little bit like on the harsher end. But again, this is a spectrum, right? So it doesn't have to be like all of them and it doesn't have to be like to a very like harsh Mm -hmm. degree of it. (laughs) But this is Times of India's opinion. It's one of them. Yes. Yes. No, Um, but I mean, it's real, right? mm -hmm. Like I'm sitting here listening to all these characteristics that can Mm -hmm. be displayed in narcissistic parents especially Mm -hmm. in south asian households and it's just eye-opening too like oh yeah Yeah. like like yep i've seen that you know or i've seen Mm -hmm. this and it's also like the harsh reality too unfortunately yeah absolutely i can't wait to share my story with you later (laughs) yeah i'm excited to hear Um, going back to that last article that I want to talk about real fast, this one was the five common struggles 
um, of adult children of narcissistic parents okay. by Psych Central. Okay. I'm telling you, Psych Central was just coming in real clutch. Mm. Okay, and okay, okay, here's Psych what Central. Psych Central. I know. Okay. Go Psych Central. Here's what it had to say. Um, one, people pleasing. Mm-hmm. Right? That makes sense. Um, the way I interpreted it in particular was because you don't follow the expectations of a you know parent that might be narcissistic then that means you might have grown up witnessing their like volatile like rage or like mm. you know just being super upset because they don't know how to regulate what's happening this dissonance of like you have a different expectation than my expectation why aren't you meeting this and so that yeah. like use of rage or guilt or shame or like something to manipulate would you know like i said earlier pave the way to create these like people pleasing tendencies right mhm um the other, again, like I said earlier, is like avoiding conflict and trying to survive by. Obviously, if you're in an environment where you never know like what's going to trigger somebody and like it's a really like big outburst, you're going to mm-hmm. learn. You, I mean, nobody wants to like deal with that. So you're going to learn to like avoid mm-hmm. conflict. You're going to learn how to be a peacekeeper. You're going to learn how to like read people's situations and like kind of take distance from it. Right. So that you don't have yeah. to get into those situations again and again. Um, another one that they talked about was persistent self-doubt. Mm. You know, like when we talk about like manipulation and like gaslighting, we talk about the idea of you're basically questioning your reality. And if you've always been questioned, your reality has been questioned, you've, you're learning that you need to second guess yourself because you're learning you can't trust your intuition. You can't trust your instincts. You can't trust your truth yeah. because yeah. that's what everybody is like questioning. So then yeah. you don't trust yourself. You get disconnected yeah. from that part of you. Yeah. And you have a lot of self-doubt. You can't make decisions, you know, things like that. Um, usually, I will say, like, people like that, too, you know, we consider them, like, hypervigilant people, right? Because they get so yeah. good at recognizing mm-hmm. when somebody is about, like, sudden shifts in, like, maybe mood or, like, facial expressions. Yeah. Like, you Picking get so up good at reading. Cues. Yeah, you're yeah. so hypervigilant to these cues. It can be considered a superpower, but that's a good and bad thing. Like, yeah, okay, great. You're so mm-hmm. intuitive in other people, not yourself. But it's a bad thing mm-hmm. because it's coming from a traumatic place. It's a trauma response yeah, to be able to do that, you know, because it's response. all about protecting you. Yeah. If you know when someone's about to shift, you know how to keep yourself safe. You know, you need to keep yourself safe, right? So it's really sad trauma response but it can also be like considered i guess a superpower yeah being able to tell yeah another um common struggle of adult children with narcissistic parents is um let's see reading feeling like guilt shame or fear about succeeding or being in the spotlight you know the idea of basically mm-hmm. not being good enough and like constantly being criticized makes you want to maybe like shrink away from like that um critical eye of like how's your work are you successful are you not you know if you're constantly receiving that criticism you want to shrink away from that you feel a lot of guilt shame a lot of maybe even self-sabotaging because you don't want to deal with that or even you know um perfectionist tendencies maybe going the other Mm -hmm. way on that The other thing that it mentioned, too, was, like, how it shows up in relationships as insecure or anxious attachment styles. Basically, 
showing up from parent to partner. Like in the first podcast, remember we talked about parents to partners. What's attachment style? It talks about how if you grow up with this kind of narcissistic um, parenting, you might seek out partners inherently who are abusive, manipulative, who um, might repeat some of the narcissistic patterns that your parents repeated. Mm-hmm. And that might make you feel like this intense sense of fear of abandonment, or it might make you really dependent, or even yeah. emotionally unavailable in relationships. Yeah. Um, and with all of that, it will certainly perpetuate this feeling of like unworthiness and unlovableness. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. I feel like you like summarize so many different aspects of topics that we've already <laughs> talked about in such a beautiful way. But like also in such a cohesive way, it really shows us that Mm. things are intertwined and everything's not black and white. Like, you know, people pleasing, the Mm. attachment styles, the parenting Mm -hmm. styles, parent characteristics, and all of it is tied together. Mm. It's interesting. And it's all in the gray of that spectrum, all messy. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing is clean cut. (laughs) Exactly. Now – I know I feel like I just threw a bunch of this information like very heavy, like very icky. So I just want to take a quick pause and like talk about like this is not something that nothing can be done about, right? Exactly. I mean, yeah. Granted, like when somebody genuinely has narcissistic personality diagnosis, then yes, they typically are unable to recognize a need for change. So mm-hmm. they might not change. Okay, fair enough. That might be true. That's not within your control. But you do have things within your control to heal from being parented by a narcissist. Yes, yes. You know, and that definitely therapy can help with that. You know, learning how to heal from those kinds of wounds, learning how to reparent yourself, you know, healing that inner child version of you that went through that. And then in the present tense, you know, a lot of clients or a lot of people who have narcissistic parents or even parents who, for example, have like borderline disorder, just like diagnosis basically yeah. that affect their relationships. Some people choose to cut off parents, but not everybody does. And I think it's important yeah. to like acknowledge and recognize that there's no one right way to do this. It's based on your yeah. situation. And like you can heal and you can learn what you need that works for you, whether that's to cut off the parent or whether that's to find some middle ground where you can protect yourself, but you can still engage in some kind of relationship. Yeah. Um, So a little message of hope. It's not all doom and gloom. It's not. (laughs) I agree. And I'm I'm excited to share my story because it dips into that a little bit. Good. Mm, Yeah. I can't wait to hear it then. Yeah. Um, Okay. So then I wanted to share real quick, in particular, narcissism in like South Asians, like really concentrating on like the South Asian population for a moment. Okay. This is how I did a little bit of a, a TikTok deep dive this time. And I looked up like okay. narcissism and South Asians. And yeah. I just wanted to see like what the general population, what are people talking about? Yeah. And this is kind of the stuff that I got from like random videos on TikTok. Um, this was people's experiences. One, people who had narcissistic parents, South Asian parents felt like they were never allowed to have boundaries or opinions outside of mm. what their parents expected. Totally makes sense. We've already kind of talked about that. Yeah. Um, Another person talked about like um, growing up thinking of like someone else was just such a big thing that you're so attuned to others in your life now as like 
in a career setting and like a relationship setting, continuing to be that way in a family setting and even like a friendship setting, just being so attuned to somebody else and their needs mm-hmm. that it's like really difficult to like receive compliments, receive gifts. Yeah. It's difficult to receive anything from somebody else because mm-hmm. you're so used to giving, giving, giving. Yes. That one really resonated. I feel like that's yeah. very common like, for a ding, lot of ding, people. Ding. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I saw that in your face. You're like, mm. <laughs> Um, and then someone else talked about like having a really hard time distinguishing between what they wanted versus what their parents wanted Mm. because, you know, often you're given that like maybe like guilt trip of like, well, I am doing this for you. Like this is for your benefit. Like I know what's best for you. And so you kind of like almost self doubt, right. Of, okay, maybe I don't want this. Maybe I should do this. Yeah. That's a big thing, I think. Um, and then. Something we talked about earlier, being conflict averse, you know, this person talked about like always being the peacekeeper, really just shrinking away from any and all conflict, never wanting to engage with that. Mm-hmm. I get a lot of clients like that. And it's like huge reparenting, huge unlearning of conflict isn't bad, mm-hmm. but it's how we conflict that matters. Exactly. Conflict is inevitable. Yeah. It's how we deal with it and react to it. Yeah, and we need it. We need conflict. We're going to have conflict because we're all so different as people, but it's how we fight that matters. Mm -hmm. That makes the difference between, you know, a quote-unquote good fight and a bad fight, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, So right about now I had this like almost like epiphany of like, ah, it's narcissist like behaviors and like people who have narcissistic tendencies, like it's all about control. Like that's kind of my little aha moment as I was – going through all of these videos and like all these articles, I was thinking like, this is just, it all really comes down to that. It's all about control. control. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. Control and power. And anyways, back to this. So other things that I saw um, people talk about was denying like reality of what happened. Right. So again, like a form of gaslighting. Yeah. Mom, like remember that one time when this happened and like just flat out, right? Like, no, that never happened. I don't remember mm. that. That didn't happen, no. Yeah. Um, not taking accountability or responsibility for what happened, an extension of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one hit, like, a lot. Not having the ability to self-reflect, doesn't see anything wrong in their action, only sees your faults in their behavior and action and reaction, and will portray themselves as the victim. Like, Using health, for example, of like, I'm yeah. like really old and like my health is bad and you know that. Yeah. And like, how can you say that? You know, just basically like wh- when you're in the middle of something and you're talking about something, like quickly turning it back on like yeah, victim mentality, like, but woe is me. Mm-hmm. Like, how can you say that about me? Like, I'm, you know, struggling or whatnot. Yeah. Deflecting that blame basically and like turning it around especially when they know they're about to, again, lose control over that argument yeah. or that point. Um, yeah. So other than that, what I spent some time doing too was like thinking about like, okay, so like what are the things that people actually say? What yeah. are the things that we hear that could be considered coming from a very narcissistic place? And these were some of the things again, that I got from lots of different sources of what people often hear. Um, Okay. Mostly from South Asian parents, but also just like a a 
general kind of uh, hodgepodge yeah. of places. Okay. Here it goes. You ready? Yes. I'm going to look at you after everyone to see how you react. <laughs> okay, I'm ready. <laughs> the first one was, you'll regret this one day when I'm gone. Mm. I know. Not surprising that one. Card. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. After everything I did for you, this is how you repay me. Mm. Mm. Ooh, and this one's a doozy. You think that's abuse? You should have seen my childhood growing up. Mm. The comparison. I feel thing. like I've heard variations of that too. Like mm-hmm. you, you didn't, you don't know what I dealt with growing up. Yeah. So like you, you think this know. is hard? You should have seen how mm-hmm. I had to do X, yeah. Y, Z. Yeah. yeah. Um. And then just like flat out, right? Just being like, well, my needs are more important than your needs, or what I want is more important mm-hmm. than what you want. Yeah. Um. And then this one, you know, right? Basically, the public image is important. And so Mm -hmm. anything to protect that image. Um, And this isn't so much of a thing maybe that people hear, but I think this really stood out to me in one video. This one um, woman talks about how like her narcissistic mom was very like transactional in her love. And like when she met her mom's needs, there would be a lot of praise. When she met her mom's expectations, there would be a lot of praise. But when she didn't meet her mom's needs didn't meet her expectations. She, the mom would like withhold her love and like criticize and be disappointed mm. and use that disappointment to like shame and guilt her into doing yeah. what she wanted. Like silent treatment. And I think, I think that like one piece right there, like really gives a good idea in my opinion of what like, it's like to have a narcissistic parent right there. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's about them and it's about how they can use manipulation to control you. Like those okay. are the two big pieces of that. Yeah. Um, okay, that's a lot of story time. I think I think we're ready for personal story. <laughs> okay. I'm ready to hear Okay, story. here it goes. So my story is basically I felt like growing up as I was reflecting on all of these like research articles and like this, like like I said, I never knew that I had any dealings in my experience with yeah. anybody who was narcissistic. Like I was like, oh what? Really? But as I was learning about this and reflecting on it, I realized that my mom had some traits occasionally yeah. that would come out in the way she said things. For example, <laughs> she mm-hmm. would say sometimes like, I know you better than you know yourself. Yeah. And like, okay, she's a mom. Most of the time she's not wrong. But sometimes yeah. she is wrong, you know? Like, yeah. for example, when she wanted me to, I don't know, like pursue – medicine (laughs) when she wanted me to pursue certain hobbies you know extracurriculars and stuff she'd be like I know you better than yourself if you just push yourself to do this I know you're going to be okay with it to be fair that's how I usually was I had to be pushed into activities to do them and then sometimes I liked them sometimes I didn't yeah but like you know right there like there's that separation of like Mm -hmm. yeah there's that separation of like I'm an extension of her Mm-hmm. Right. And so like that kind of that theme kind of continues on, you know, for example, when I was in um, like college and like she wanted me to major in one thing, I wanted to major in another thing. I tried to do her major spectacularly flunked out and then did what I wanted to do. Worked out. Yeah. But, you know, again, it's coming from that idea of like she knows me and she wants me to kind of follow her expectations. And like we had a lot of yeah. like conversations, and like arguments. And like I was like, all right, all right, fine, I'll try it. Didn't work out. 
put my foot down. Yeah. But that's when it started to get like even worse because in college I had the space. I had like some independence and freedom to explore the independence, freedom to explore my values, my interests. And so Mm -hmm. something I heard a lot in college was you used to be so sweet and you listened to me all the time. You've changed. Oh, Oh, you've changed. You changed. And like, she's not wrong. I did change. Yeah. But what she's basically saying, right, is you now have your own like mind. You do what you want to do and you're not caring as much when I kind of pout about. Yeah. It's not sometimes making a difference, right? And so she she didn't know yeah. what to do with that. She was like, I don't – like what is this new Anusha who's not listening to what I want, who I can't – I mean it sounds harsh to say, but I can't manipulate out of your choices, yeah. You know, and it's not like she was doing it on purpose, but she was also intentionally trying to change my views, right? Yeah. Um, so, like, that's an example. And at the time, and, like, even now, like, I don't see it as coming from a bad place. But it's an example of how you can portray traits of narcissism without being yeah. narcissistic. I think these yeah. are really good examples of that. They are. Um, and to me, like the way that I read these examples of narcissistic behaviors is that they're backed by the fear of the unknown. It's not coming from mm. a place necessarily of she thinks she's better than me. She thinks she's trying to, you know, control somebody inferior. Rather, she's afraid of the unknown because she cares and she doesn't know what's going to happen next. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, that makes sense. again, I think that's a really big piece of distinguishing between um having narcissistic traits versus having that narcissistic personality disorder i think that's the yeah. big piece there of what yeah. that distinguished distinguishing factor is yeah um and then after college you know once i was in my like therapy track and you know going through the courses of grad school and becoming a therapist and all of that i started like in my own therapy too and like i was starting to learn um like a sort of like communicating for example started to learn how some things were okay and not okay in the past and like what can I do about it now like you know all that stuff right so I was having conversations with mom about like the things I learned and like she completely brought this on herself by the way she asked me was there (laughs) anything I've done that was Uh, like that (laughs) obviously I was like well I guess and so I was thinking about it and I was telling her like maybe what she did that like didn't feel good like she maybe shouldn't have done and so she goes well I guess I'm just a bad parent then is that what you're saying Mm. kind of make you know that that victim card like she didn't yes. know how to she didn't expect that and it like really shook her for a moment that she immediately yeah. like got defensive and like mm-hmm. played the victim card of like okay well fine I guess I'm the bad parent then <laughs> yeah no and that's something that I, I resonate with too I've heard yeah. that as well yeah like making it about mm-hmm. them when it was like well it's about the issue and like you can have mm-hmm. done wrong things bad things and not yeah. be a bad person but sometimes that separation can get lost. Yeah. Of like, exactly. Yeah. Um, but luckily, you know, now and then very different. Like mom, as I said, she doesn't have like, she's not on the other end of the spectrum. She's very much on this end of the spectrum. Very like couple of sprinkle little yeah. things she says or believes. They're very thought based. So for me, it was being able to like communicate in a way that she understood and like doing it enough 
trying to get past that barrier of like, mom, I'm not calling you a bad person. I'm yeah. saying you've made some not so great choices and like really kind of reiterating that and like showing that. And she was receptive to receiving it, like willing and okay. able to like challenge her thoughts, willing and able to like change her thoughts. That's so cool. I haven't heard those things from her. Look at that. Now. You're breaking yeah, cycles, ma'am. Look at you. <laughs> That's so true, of true. I'm so and I think I think our relationship is like that much better for it because wow. you know, there's just no place with guilt and shame to have a really strong relationship. And like I'm not saying my mom's perfect. Like, will she sometimes still try to trip me up and be like, Well, I'm doing this because I love you. Like, just take my love and like try yeah. to still guilt me sometimes. Sure. Will she still pout when I refuse to wear clothes she wants me to wear and not clothes I want to wear? Sure. But the difference is like I have that boundary of like no I'm not gonna do it though I love you little kiss okay bye I'm leaving (laughs) you know like having that ability no longer like derails her into being wow you're being so bad or like oh I'm such a bad parent I can't believe I didn't Mm -hmm. teach you to be respectful of what I wanted like that's not there Mm -hmm. um but before we got to that place of course there was some struggle around like I mean I'm sure you remember (laughs) I had a lot of people pleasing tendencies as we Mm -hmm. you know, South Asian women tend to have. And I definitely had that earlier, what I said, you know, that superpower of being able to like recognize when situations, people's emotions like shift and change, like being able to recognize that and read the room. Um, For a really long time, I was the peacekeeper. Yeah. Because I was praised for being, you know, a good, obedient girl Mm -hmm. who listened. So I did keep it up for a really long time. Um, But often that did mean that I was battling, like, feelings of not being good enough and, like, feeling this, like, disconnect between what I wanted and what I did to keep the peace. And that really took a toll on my self-confidence, my Mm self-worth. You know, as we talked about a lot, like, that really took a toll on all of that repressed anger that I had. And I had to learn how to how to feel that anger, how to use that anger and, like, be able to communicate so that anger wouldn't keep building up anymore. But, but yeah, that's kind of my story. And like when I was reflecting on like narcissism and like how that can look in families, that this is kind of what I remembered um, that really stood out to me. And I'm, I'm glad that my experience has given me that appreciation of like the spectrum is very real. Not everyone falls on one end or the other. It can be very, Mm -hmm. very different person to person, which means that each solution for each of these, you know, moments when you might be with a narcissistic person, it can be very different and it can be very to what, what is actually right for you. And nobody can tell yeah. you that's right or wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's my story. <laughs> wow. No, kudos to you for, you know, being so self-aware, doing that self-work and, you know, mm-hmm. working on your healing and feeling it's so courageous for you to speak up mm-hmm. and share with your mom, like, you know, when she asked you that question, like, her yeah. feedback. And really not letting that victimization get to you and help, like, create senses yeah. of guilt and shame. Like, you were yeah. able to redirect her and kind of bring her back and be like, you know, I'm not calling yeah. you a bad person. I'm yeah. I'm just sharing, like, you know, the, about the choices that you made. I love that. I love yeah. how you phrased that and I loved how – you were able to speak your truth and your experience mm-hmm. in a way that um, she was receptive to, and it was yeah. so that's really and amazing. I don't, I don't want 
it to be misconstrued as like, wow, like I did therapy and like, boom, like I knew how to do this. Not at all. It was really messy, like icky process getting Mm -hmm. to that place of being able to effectively communicate it. And it took a while. So I'm kind of like speeding through that process to share what like worked well, but definitely like I would definitely get guilted. I would get shamed for a little bit and like I would retreat away sometimes. Sometimes when I tried, I'd be like bawling my eyes out trying to communicate. So it's definitely not perfect. Yeah. And it's not yeah. easy. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I'm just I, – I understand that too. Like it's not an overnight thing. Like, you know, it takes yeah. work. It takes courage. It takes persistence. Mm-hmm. So kudos yeah. to you for that. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> well, I want to hear all about your story now. Okay. So, no, I feel like I learned so much from you and I feel like I, it kind mm. of brings a little bit more oomph to my story. I feel like I can add a little <laughs> bit it. more to it and or give you a little bit more context with what we talked about. Mm-hmm. So kind of, again, we talked about this in the beginning when you were defining narcissism, right? It's something that's very normalized in South Asian, mm-hmm. some South Asian households. Definitely was normalized, is normalized and was normalized growing up too in the environment I grew up in. And again, right? The words that really scream at me and resonate with my experiences are like the arrogance, the sense of self-importance, entitlement. Mm-hmm. And again, we've talked we talked about this too earlier in this episode that it plays a huge role in how we were taught, how I was taught to treat mm-hmm. elders, mm-hmm. and like that they're the most important. They can never be wrong. Any form of protest or ideas that goes against their idea, their own ideas is an attack and completely wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So again, I wanted to preface this story that I'm going to share again, right? Like I'm not a licensed professional that can like diagnose or anything. And like we mentioned, it's a spectrum. And so I'm just going to mm-hmm. share about like my experience and the traits that I picked up um, yeah. in my household. So my relationship with my dad hasn't been like a straight line. It's been rocky, like growing up. I like have very, very amazing memories with my dad. He like all would always empower us in, in like joining in household chores and like mm-hmm. getting us what we want. He would spoil us, take us to the store. Like if we're going to the grocery store, like Walmart, we would, he would take us to the toy section and mm-hmm. tell us to pick up one toy, you know? Like it was very, very sweet and loving and – he would dedicate his time to take us to the park, do weekend outings like the zoo or mm-hmm. my favorite at all time memory is that we would do this very routinely is like go and feed the ducks. There's like this lake. Uh-huh. There's this lake actually by our house, not too far. And we would go like maybe every Sunday and take bread. And I know that's not healthy uh-huh. to do. I recognize that now. But it was sweet Wait because – Wait <laughs> Right? It was sweet. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> the ducks enjoyed it in the moment, right? Um, but it was really sweet and I really cherish that memory. Like it was just me and my sister and my dad sometimes or just me and my dad and we would just sit and enjoy nature, hear the birds, feed Mm -hmm. the ducks and just relax. And I don't know, like certain age or certain time throughout my childhood, I want to say like high school time around, there was like a shift a little bit in the relationship Mm -hmm. that we shared, especially emotionally. Like he, Sure. Definitely, like, show his love through, like, lots of, you know, support, making sure, like, not really saying no if I asked or requested things, right? Like, he was very, very supportive in that way. But when it came to, like, being emotionally available and that quality time, there was a shift that I felt. Mm-hmm. And 
that kind of took like especially me and my sister it took a little toll on us like oh like you know we missed that part, that dad that would yeah. spend time with us a lot and there yeah. was one day me and my sister were reflecting and this is actually very recently not too too many years back but a couple years back um my sister and I was like okay maybe like it's worth to try to have like a sit down conversation with him and understand what's mm-hmm. going on and maybe like share what our thoughts and feelings are we like reflected on yeah. love languages and we're like maybe like his love language is different now or it's shifted mm-hmm. or changed and ours is different and so we sat down with him one time like after dinner and we calmly like shared our thoughts and feelings he was calm we calmly requested that um we would appreciate more quality time with him and we like explain love languages to him in a way that he would mm. understand and explain to like, you know, like you cut fruit for us, you take care of our necessities, you make sure like, mm. you know, our needs are met or requests are met and that's like your way of showing love. But we also want you like, you know, your presence and like your time that would like, that's something that's important to us. And of course, and mind you, like my dad like even when we were younger and like through this time too, like the emotional availability wasn't like quite always there. Like the quality time was there growing up. But when it came to like talking about emotions and confronting emotions, that was more I shared with Mm -hmm. my mom and not my dad. Mm -hmm. Um, So he wouldn't be the one he like that we would expect to get super emotional. Mm -hmm. And so when we were having this conversation and, you know, sitting down and talking about this, he – turn the conversation into how much he has done for the family and how he feels mm-hmm. that no one appreciates him. He actually did get emotional, which was very surprising to us. And in mm-hmm. a way, like reflecting back, that's good, right? Like he's showing emotions. He's being real. He's, you know, yeah. that's important. Um, but it also made us feel guilty in the moment. And it felt right. like, you know, we felt bad in the moment that, oh, we made him feel like this. And so, of mm-hmm. course, we validated him in the moment and that we told him that we do appreciate him and what he has done for us. But we were also in a place similar to like you, right? Like we did redirect him and we told him like, we're not saying that he's not a good dad. We know how much yeah. he's done for us, but this is what's important. This emotional need is still important to us. Mm-hmm. And he was receptive. Like he was like, yeah, like, okay, like I'll try my best for that. Um, but I think there was still like a disconnect because – Again, I think he was really – in that conversation, it just became really about himself. And I think someone who is so engrace, engrossed in that state has a hard time mm-hmm. taking perspective of other people and relating to their right. per- emotional needs like we talked about, right? There's no perspective mm-hmm. taking. There's lack of empathy. So even in this conversation, like there wasn't any empathy that was being shown. And so mm-hmm. as much as – like, you know – like that's kind of something that we me and my sister still talk about is like where is that disconnect and why is that there and I think that that's when those traits those qualities can come out in those moments right when you do Mm -hmm. try to push those buttons about emotional needs and emotional availability Mm -hmm. like oh like no I can't do that because I don't know how to slash I wasn't taught how to and So this is how, and, but this is how I know control, and I'm going to control the situation by making it about myself, and that's yeah. what happened in this situation. And I would yeah. say, like these traits and qualities were showcased, like in both my parents and the comments that you were sharing about 
parents like the types of comments and parents have shared mm. about when, when it when showcasing these traits definitely resonate definitely heard of that but I think when you shared the common struggles of adult children of narcissistic like parents or parents that mm-hmm. showcase those narcissistic qualities I was like wow mm-hmm. like check 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 like literally yeah. every single yeah. one of them and yeah. I think it goes back to like the experience too like the there was just so much going on in my childhood with my sister's illness illness and everything like those nar- narcissistic qualities were coming out in different ways and then mm-hmm. it was causing those struggles that we talked about yeah. so like the self-doubt definitely you know struggle with that people pleasing the hypervigilance um is a big one for me because I basically have a whole career out of it if you think about it um mm-hmm. I actually talked about this with my therapist that like my work being a child life specialist helping mm-hmm. patients and families cope with their medical experience like I have to be hyper village religion in my work and look for those cues look for those changes in yeah. facial expressions and and then intervene right like provide my like interventions whether that's distraction or education or whatever like verbal cues to support mm-hmm. to in decreasing that stress so I'm like mm-hmm. it's in a way like this is a trauma response turned it into like a skill set that is a Superpower. career that's being <laughs> reinforced and so now like I'm working on like how to separate you know work-related hyper-vigilance I can't even speak right Mm -hmm. now hyper-vigilance am I saying that right (laughs) yeah you are it's just a tongue twister a little bit I know (laughs) Um, but like how to separate work and you know personal life and not blending that because Mm -hmm. it is a trauma response for me yeah and like I think I've talked about this in previous what were you saying sorry no, I was just going to say, like, although, I, like, I understand that, like, even I agree with you, like, it is definitely a trauma response. And, like, obviously, we don't want to be so hypervigilant that we're constantly feeling yeah. that lack of safety in our bodies and, like, mm-hmm. trying to, like, constantly be aware so that we can feel safe. But I think that once you can heal and you're on the other yes. side of that healed side of hypervigilance, I think we yeah. don't lose our ability to be observational but we can get rid of and shed like the hyper vigilance of like feeling yes. unsafe and needing it without having to like shed this, you know, adaptive yeah. cool skill of being able to actually be aware and like perceptive yeah. and like intuitive. And yeah, no, I agree. I think it can still be your superpower. No, without, yeah. no, you know, having I'm to grateful. Yeah. Like, you know, like sometimes like the best qualities that we share are sometimes comes from, you know, trauma response. And I think in order for, you know, I'm, I'm still working on those, you know, struggles, like people pleasing, hypervigilance, self-doubt, shame, guilt, right? All of those, Mm -hmm. um, recovering from that. But I think like what you said, feeling that it's so, you're so hypervigilant that you're feeling like, oh, you don't have safety, emotional safety yeah. or, you know, whatever you're feeling because of that moment. And I feel like that does trickle. Like that, I don't feel like that in the moment at work, but like, you know, mm. that does carry over my personal life and that I, I'm constantly worrying a fear of abandonment, right? Like, oh, like if I say yeah. this, this friend will leave me. Or if I do this, this will happen. And so mm. I, I'm catching myself in these patterns. And of course, like, chaotically bringing it up therapy with all the other things going on right (laughs) (laughs) um but it's it's important that 
not only like what you, I love the way you phrased it, like you're hyper vigilant of mm-hmm. others, but not yourself. And I'm working on yeah. that transition. It's like, okay, yeah. how can I be more aware of myself and how I'm reacting and how my responses are and are they healthy or not? And if not, how can we change that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, absolutely. Work in progress. <laughs> We're all works in progress. Yes. It's okay. And, you know, I wanted to like end my story with a tidbit, like, you know, as I was writing my story, preparing it to share with you, I was reflecting on why would someone share these qualities, the narcissistic traits and qualities. And I love that you kind of brought up the the discussion of needs for control, right? Yeah. And thinking about my, my parents and their emotional trauma that they face, leaving their loved ones, maybe like their entire family even, and maybe yeah. a successful career behind to, to immigrate, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that's like their protective measure and trait. Like, okay, if I, I lost control yeah. in this, so I'm going to make sure I have control over this other thing. Yeah. And then that kind of goes into overdrive. Yeah. And it's like almost Fear. like you're in this survival mode. Fear of loss of yeah. control, yeah. And then – yeah, and. Fear of unknown, fear mm-hmm. of just like anything of like, you know, sometimes I feel like when you love somebody or like you care about somebody and like particularly like in a kid format, right? <laughs> if you're looking at yeah. a kid, I imagine, again, you know, we talked about us not being parents, but like I imagine like if you have a little kid that you're in charge of, like yeah. if you genuinely like love and care about this kid and like it's just different, you know, like that kind yeah. of fear that you have, this like need to protect. And I think that sometimes – when we are in such a fearful place, new world, new culture, new, you know, like language, even new people, new experiences, whatever, you have so much abundant fear. Yeah. And when you have so much fear, the only thing that you can do to feel power is to control things. Mm-hmm. So what and we're think- saying is that narcissism mm-hmm. is a trauma response. And then there's more trauma responses to narcissism. And then it's just a a chain reaction. And we're looking at trauma response inception. (laughs) Absolutely. And again, like I I do take this with a grain of salt of like, I feel like our experiences are pretty similar to a lot of people's experiences. And yeah, but it's also going to be different from other people's experiences, right? Like there can Mm -hmm. be people like parents who actually have like a diagnosis on the other end of the spectrum. And like for them, there's more to it than, oh, it's about control. It's about fear. No, they genuinely might believe their needs are more important. They are superior to other people. But like we're talking about other people on the spectrum who are not on that end, who are on the other end of that spectrum, who have some tendencies, some qualities but are rare, don't come out often, maybe they're situational, maybe they're only with certain people. We're talking about for those people, then yeah, it's maybe just a survival coping mechanism in order to feel some sense of power. Yeah. Interesting. Mm. I love that, you know, we place importance on understanding or trying to brainstorm and understand why these qualities persist in in households. (laughs) I think it really helps in the healing process. Because it helps remove blame and from yourself and yeah. guilt and shame. Absolutely. 
And I, I've always liked that about us and her conversations is like we talk about a lot of things, you know, on and off this yeah. podcast and like yeah. some of it is like really heavy, but we're never about like trying to blame or like we're never about mm-hmm. trying to like, well, this is why and like this is why I'm going to be this way. It's always more yeah. like I love that we both come at these conversations from like such a curious place because I think honestly like that's where it's at when we can be curious, yeah. when we can stop placing blame, we can start to heal. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, maybe not everyone's in that place, but I, I agree. I kind of like that that's what we focus on. Yeah. Curiosity can lead to healing. Mm-hmm. I love yeah. it. Well, that's my story. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Should we All wrap right. It up? Well, thank you for sharing. I mm-hmm. I know that, you know, knowing you, like I was familiar with a little bit of your story, but like I always like hearing our story like on this podcast because I feel like I always find out a little something new about you. Mm-hmm. I would say the same. And also, I'm very proud of you because I know firsthand that this is something you like struggle with, and like you know that not being so hyper vigilant on like okay that that fear of abandonment, like trying to bring it back to you, and like that people pleasing, you know, recovery. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I know how hard you work at it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I know how hard you work at it. So I'm so proud of you and. Thank little you. encouragement like keep going i love mm-hmm. you so much you got this love you <laughs> thanks all right you want to wrap up all right. yes so thank you to all for tuning in we would love to hear your feedback any thoughts any stories that you would like to share with us we would love to hear that you could reach us at our email talksouthasiantome at gmail.com or any of our socials facebook instagram tiktok um, our handle is at Talk South Asian to me. All okay. right. Bye. Until next time. Bye. Bye.